Welcome to another episode of our True Colors podcast. Today we have with us Dr. Omid Biswas. Uh, Dr. Biswas is a senior consultant in child and adolescent psychiatry and also an ex-honorary senior lecturer. Omid, um, apart of working as a psychiatrist, he also has a career as a film director and he's recently made a full-length film Another interest that he has is writing, he's written plays and books of poetry, and regarding his psychiatric career, he's also an expert in well-being, and is one of the lead people in well-being in the Royal College of Psychiatrists. I want to talk to him first about creativity, because I've always been interested in how being creative gives some meanings to our life and also about his expertise in well-being. As I thought, it would be interesting to know more about that, about how we can live better and what we can do to make our lives more meaningful and enjoyable. Hopefully you like the conversation. Well, Omid, thank you for agreeing to talk to me. I just... Thank you, Joseph. It's an honor. Oh, likewise. I just had the chance to watch your film, Bridge. It's a very interesting film. And I think we can start our conversation with the initial idea of the film they found quite striking. Um, just me like, let me just summarize a bit what happened there. In that film, an old man goes to a bridge with the idea possibly of killing himself by jumping. And he sees a young woman there. And rather than killing himself, he chooses to save that young woman and that encounter has a transformative effect for both of them. There are like two important ideas here that I think we can start discussing. Sure. They, are, they, they are quite relevant for what we are doing as a psychiatrist in general. The, the first idea that I find quite striking is that this process of inner transformation that are extremely powerful sometimes only happen when we reached our darkest, lowest moment. When that happens, then transformation starts to occur, which I think is what happened with that old man. And there is another one, another idea that I also find quite interesting that is linked to this one, is that often this type of inner transformation happens when in contact with other people, meaning that there is something in human contact, in human communication, that can have a deep transformative effect. Let's discuss these two subjects, uh, the, the darkest moment before the transformation. What do you think about that? Would you agree that this is the case? Thank you, Joseph, for having me here. It's a privilege. You're absolutely right. I deeply believe that lotus can only blossom from mud, the muddy waters of life. We have this really all within us have this transformative potential and crisis gives us that opportunity for growth a growth mindset and i believe in those darkest moments light shines through from within and from outside i mean in my film it's not just a very distressed acutely suicidal young girl but also this old man who also contemplating suicide, going to his desolate, his destined despair, goes to bridge for jump. But in a moment, he sees this young girl 
and his heart opens, perhaps what we call a psychiatrist and altruistic defense. But at the moment of his inner transformation, he runs and saves this girl, brings her home. And there, this unconditional bonding, the compassion and kindness he showers, that is the healing, the transformation that we see every day. At least as a psychiatrist working with young people, what works for me is that bridge, that bridge of connection, hope and optimism, and a sense of contentment we create where we can, we can, we can heal, we can flourish. And from within that full catastrophe living, I believe embracing not just the joy, that, but embracing that all the muds, the difficulties, disappointment, the trials and temptations, and that discomfort is passport perhaps for an enriched and more flourishing and blossoming life. Indeed, crisis is opportunity. As, as you know, in Chinese letters, they have both the meanings. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but the problem with, with that idea is that many people reach these moments of crisis, but not everybody gets transformed. Some people do die. Some people get overwhelmed by the crisis. What makes a difference? What makes some people survive? Is that the connection? Is that that we need to be connected to someone to be able to overcome that crisis? Is it that sometimes we cannot do it by ourselves? Yes, and I believe first this connection starts with ourselves. Because as you know, the patients we see in everyday basis who are suicidal, who are in the dark, they lose that connection, that whole self, they're disintegrated. And becoming whole is the main thing. And sometimes we need that helping hand. I'm not just saying in a form of a psychiatrist or a psychologist. A, a friend who is unconditionally opening their heart and reaching out and reaching. A connection, as we know from research, that one of the most important parameters of Nexus happy is that social connections, the deep interrelated bonds that we have and celebrating life with society, with community. When we're depressed, perhaps, we isolate. Mm -hmm. There are many, many books, and I will mention one called Social Capital, which really points out the people who has connections and, and, and join clubs even, or even go and simple plays, cards and games, as mm -hmm. we see why people in Okinawa have, have lives better, or why... Uh, the, even the uh, South uh, Mexican countries or, or in, in Costa Rica live longer because they're social connections. Mm. We live deeply and widely and society, connection, communication, bonding, a helping hand and healer's presence. I believe that we are healers, not just the mm. medical model reductionic doctors. Oh, indeed, yeah. Healer's idea about Having the whole dimensions of body, mind, spirit, society, behavior, all encompassing gives a presence of a healer. We just need to be there. And sometimes we need to be there for ourselves first. Mm -hmm. We can ask for help. And that's the transformative moment when we are ready. We know we are ready because there is always light. There is always hope. And hope is not a very Pollyanna I was just talking. Uh, mm -hmm. this. 
Hope is not about just positivity and stuff. Hope is about two dimensions. Having one here and now and having an opportunity, looking into the opportunity. I can't be grateful for everything that happens in my life, the trauma that we experience. But I can be grateful for having this moment so that I can have an openness, an opportunity for belonging. And that belonging, that love, that courage, that really open. I mean, courage is a French word, comes from the theology of a French word, core, means heart. Mm -hmm. Connect to our hearts or other people's heart, that heals. And that's why, how overcome our darkest, like courage. A courageous trust to life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but there is something else that I think can help, which is, I think, what you're doing with your own life, which is being creative. Yeah, if you're quite busy as a consultant and you have many jobs, but you've managed to write books, plays, and direct films, to which is then being creative also helps us in finding a life that is meaningful for us and for other people. Absolutely, absolutely. Look, uh, firstly, for me, it's about work-life balance. At the same time, I'm alive, I work better, I create joy and love because I can nourish that creative self. And that is part of me that makes me alive. And as positive psychologists like Mihaly, excuse me, Mihaly would say, having flow. And I bring that flow to balance, a balance of sense of well-being and contentment. And for me, deeply, is creativity is not just having an attitude. Like, I, yes, I've been trained in Indian classical dance. I have writing poems, plays. Then I have to have a bigger canvas so that I can put everything that I have in a film, which is hard work. I have to learn. However, I have that curiosity and openness. And everybody has that infinite creative potential within them to be spontaneous, to be open, to tap into that imaginative world. And when you do that, and you don't have to like invent, draw, or write, you can be creative in cooking. You mm -hmm. can play. You can, you can creative in your spending time with a friend or having a walk. You can creative in nature. And in so many ways, it just needs to tap into that openness, spontaneity, the curiosity that we have a child and we lose it. And I think... That's what I thrive, and I perhaps try to balance my work and life in some ways. Mm, that's interesting because one of your interests is well-being, which yes. is also helping finding people a balance between their world life and their other parts of their life. How does it work? Do you have any type of tips of how we can help people to achieve that balance, to achieve that type of well-being, living well? Absolutely, absolutely. Yes, being a well-being champion and lead in London from Royal College, I do talk a lot on well-being. But we have to understand the concept of well-being. It's not just having the moments of pleasure, having ice cream or watching bad Netflix forever. It's the sense of, the deep sense of contentment that stays within us wherever we go. Even the moments of distress, the challenges we face every day. And it has various dimensions like physical, psychological, emotional, social, financial even. And we have to really, first thing is to be aware of that balance. I call it a seven habits of balance. Yeah, I have created a new model. A, B, C, D, E, G, E, F, G. 
I mean, the first one comes with A, is awareness. Awareness then, of, that's interesting. What's that about? Yes, so awareness about, as you know, from emotional intelligence, it is about the self-awareness. Awareness, what we like. Our, we just talked about our creative selves, what we need to, what makes us feel alive, what makes us in flow, what gives us a sense of meaning and purpose in life. I ask people to ask a question, three questions to have joy in work, such as number one, what matters to you at work? Number two, what creates joy at work for you? And number three, what are the barriers of creating that joy? Unless we have that sense of awareness, we just walk like and then walk through life like a sheep and close our eyes. You mean that the opposite of, of awareness is just living unconsciously or living yeah. unaware of what happens to us, living in yeah. an automatic, mechanic way. Absolutely, in an uh, autopilot. Yeah, and you're saying that what is important is to regain some consciousness of what we are doing. Yeah. And hopefully with that, yeah. And, and it comes from also very simple practices. As we know, we live in a mindful industry nowadays. But indeed, the mindful meditation, even five to ten minutes a day, will change our brain, will change our life. We are more creative, collaborative, compassionate, concordant to our values. And we stop in every moment and pause to have more clarity and open awareness what's happening around us. So that front of our challenge in our work, in hospital or otherwise, we are makes wise decision because we are calm, we are collected, we are focused. And that's mm -hmm. where awareness comes up. And that's where acceptance also comes up. And so, A, that what we can accept, what we can control in our life and what we can't. Like the serenity prayer, that there are things, give me the serenity to accept things that we can and the courage to make the difference, the things that we can change and the wisdom to know the difference. That's acceptance. There's quite a lot of things and we're still in the first letter. Gosh, what else do you have there? <laughs> it comes from then to A yeah. to B about having breath, rest, oh, yeah. mindful rest, because we need to do every day, not just having a holiday, but purposeful pauses, mindful yeah. breaths taking time out a little bit, even five minutes of walk. I walk in my in the car park, taking out for five minutes, three times a day, or even in your desk, and break and breathing, very mindful breathing. And I'll give you a tip here. I call it stop. Stop means S for just stopping, having a breath. Mm -hmm. Take a few mindful breaths. Oh, observe what's happening internally and internally. Say somebody is called. Stop. Take a breath, observe, oh, there's a difficult call, what's happening inside and outside, and P, proceed, moment by moment. This break and breathing and some rest, and rest always not just lying there and sleeping. There are many kinds of rest, physical rest, of course, but mental rest, having that breaks and decluttering your mind, mm. having some sensory rest from digital fasting and holiday, some rest from social rest. Sometimes we have to stop, probably overwhelmed with socializing. Some rest from creative rest, going to a kind of things that we like to do. 
sometimes it's a spiritual rest in connecting, belonging, becoming, and all of that. The break is B is so important. That's interesting because one of the things they've noticed is that since everybody now has a, a smartphone, people don't really rest because they tend to go through social media and to get involved in something else, perhaps equally disturbing to what, we're, what they were doing before. Then I don't think people get much a sense of break of doing nothing because there is always something to do. I think a lot of smartphones tend to remind us that we have to do something or we have to attend to something. I'm yeah. sure it will have an effect in people's mental well-being at some point because they end up for this. Yeah, they end up for disconnect. Yeah, mm. and basically digital. This, the, I mean, having we are flooded by emails. I get a hundred emails every day, and I don't. The first thing in the morning, I don't start watching email. I do in a circadian lull. Mm. Everything can wait. I need to see my clinics, my other things before I get run into emails. Having the digital boundaries, and having sometimes a complete digital holiday refreshes our mind because multitasking doesn't work and we multitask all the time you get addicted I indeed i suspect that the epidemic that we have of adhd has been made worse by the multitasking that comes with with social media in a way yes. that we are forced to do so many things at the same time well, it's a continuous partial attention our brain yeah. is not meant to it we, and this is where the mindfulness comes, the centeredness, focused, alert, awareness. Then the mindfulness gives us the awareness that we had at the beginning and allow us to have a, breath, uh, a break without anything in our mind. Yeah. That's interesting. There will, will be things in our mind because that's what our mon monkey mind does. But noticing those things and not hanging there, like uh, there, there are all, all emotions and thoughts that are clouds like in our mental space they're just weather and we are unlimited clouds we don't have to hang in there we can notice hello distraction then mm. be friendly with them but bring ourselves back to the task in hand or the breath that we are having that is the break not get sucked into the drama in everyday mm. basis indeed yeah then we've already covered two letters we still yes. have a with uh... Some to go. What's number C? What's the letter C? Number C is, we already talked about a little bit, compassion and creativity. Mm. Oh, yeah. Compassion is not just compassion to others that we are, are doing every day as doctors. Compassion means to me, if I understood it properly, that is a deep, empathic understanding of how other people suffering. But also an act and, and desire to overcome those suffering in a third bit is intelligent, kind way. We cannot just jump into water if you don't know swimming to save somebody. We'll throw our water and intelligence discretion. So if we talk about compassion, it starts from us. And this is another habit of balance, self-compassion. And there are very various ways, such as Thurston Neff's work. That's mindful self-compassion means that we have to be aware that we are suffering. We have to be aware that sometimes everybody struggles. They feel inadequate in their work or career or whatever. And the second bit is a common human experience. Everybody suffers. And the third bit, we can actively soothe ourselves. We take care of ourselves as our best friend. We mm -hmm. actually use self-simple self-compassion, man. 
I keep a self-compassion card in my pocket. Look, Scottish, I am not the only one. Let me take care of myself. I use sometimes self-compassion breaks to go and write self-compassion, write a letter creating and writing the incident that I have faced and using reframing me as my best friend to advise myself. Mm-hmm. Hey, you struggle and that's okay. In your job, everybody makes mistakes or in struggle. It is okay. Maybe you should take care of yourself more. There are many evidence-based ways of taking care of ourselves because unless we take care of ourselves, we are not good to others. We are compassion fatigued. Mm-hmm. This is first C is self-compassion and then compassion for others and be kind. Yeah, I understand that. Then the compassion, the true understanding of our common human nature. Yes. Understanding that we are part of a whole and yeah. humans have something in common. Absolutely. And this is where the spiritual dimension of well-being comes up. Understanding our inextricate link with everyone. We are not just mechanistic model of giving them pills. Mm -hmm. We need to connect in the deep level that another human being, the presence, and connect in that heart level. And the compassion comes from within, outside, so that we connect empathically and we do something. And then what's the, what's the letter D? What do we have after? Yes, is deep intimacy. Ooh. And deep intimacy is about, it's not just about ourselves. It's about with others that we care for, from our dog to our children to our partner. Evidence says we don't have to do a lot to show deep intimacy and stuff. Yes, physical intimacy, emotional intimacy, but three minutes every day. Having a little talk, a little touch is so human. And deep intimacy, again, about three A's. Attention, appreciation, and affection. Just a little bit of being intimate with people you care, a friend, a partner, your dog, or even the flowers that you planted. That connection of deep intimacy fulfills our life in so very many possible ways. Hmm. And that intimacy also, we talked about connections and, and with humans and being human and our community, yes. But first with ourselves, in our family, then to our community, then to society, and then intimacy with the whole world because we are interconnected. Yeah, but well, all these type of letters seem to point to the same, which is that yes. shape of belonging to a, uh, a common human nature where we are all connected, we are all part of the same. And we, we reach the creation. Yes, and this sense of belonging is nothing but a sense of belonging to ourselves and something greater than ourselves. That goes back to your film in the way that is that deep connection that ends up being transformative for, for everybody. Yes. That's interesting. Well, we're in the D. What's the E? E is simple. E is simple, and we have a lot of evidence of exercising and be active. Oh, no. it, you have this foresight uh, report in 2013, I think, that is, is, is if you are active mentally, you are active physically, agile, taking 20 minutes to 30 minutes of breathlessness, whatever form it takes, it so much of evidence, it keeps us well, keeps us happy, our sense of well-being develops, it's simple. But monitoring is so very important. 
I will ask people, advise people to ask three questions end of the day. Very simply, I do it at night every day. Number one, have I eaten well? Have I, that means, sorry, have I looked after myself well means have I ate well? Have I exercised? Have I slept well? Have I looked mm -hmm. after my body? Second question, have I looked after my mind? Means something that I activated in my wind. Something that I read, something that stimulated my mind. That's number three, have I connected? All of that comes under exercising, being active, either socially, physically, mentally, being agile. That actually increases not only well-being, there are research, including our telomeres get protected, live longer, happier. With blood pressure goes down, our immunity gets better, our heart rate variability becomes better, and and all of that is exercising. That's interesting. Our listeners may not know, but you're an Indian classical dancer. It's a lot of exercise. Well, I come from cultural capital of India, Kolkata, and oh. dance. Yeah, dance created a platform for my creativity. I mean, it is a stylized Kathak Indian classical dance, but it was a platform where I could fly into various other ways. I've learned, yes, the skills and stuff, which is important, and dance a good exercise. I would love people to go on the dance floor and, and let your head down and dance like nobody's watching, which I still do that in the morning as a ritual, five minutes of movement, meditation and mindset. Because it all depends whether you're good at dancing or not. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I don't use my skills. I dance freestyle because it's an exercise, the best exercise, possibly connect body, minds and spirit. Okay. I also do yoga, don't you? Because I've heard you talking yeah. about yoga. Absolutely. And yoga is not just a physical exercise. As you know, it eight steps. It's breathing. I talked about B. It brings out asana, the physical part of it. It's about dhana, the meditation part of it. But it has some moral and other principles. But yes, if you just even do the yoga for physical flexibility, it will center you. That's exercise. Any form. You do skip, you do run, jog, do yoga, tai chi, whatever works for you. Interesting then. And now we, we are moving from exercise to the F. What's F? Yes. F is forest or nature. Oh, that's interesting. We talked about connections. We This is nature, these ancient connections with all of us. We need to remember this gives us oxygen to breathe. There is always an exchange. But again, if you go from ancient times, the Japanese forest bath, the Shiramu, to now we just have a freshening, just a few minutes of walk, or maybe just standing just under a tree, hugging a tree, perhaps. How many people we hug the tree? People will be worried that works because, you know, phytonocytes actually kills bacteria. It actually heals us in a very physical way. There are many healing effects having a forest walk, having a forest bath, even watering your plant in your, even if you don't have a garden in your balcony works because you're connecting to something that very deep that very developmental, evolutionary that we have within us. So at least once a week, mm -hmm. if you can walk in a barefoot in your garden, look at the greenery. Even looking at green helps us and soothes us. That is That's interesting. We are also connecting, but this time with nature, yes. which is important. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that. Then we, we are reaching the last letter. G, yes. let's start. And this is perhaps the probably for me the most important that changed my life. 
and the word is gratitude practices. And when I met uh, one of the greatest uh, spiritual masters of our time, Brother David Stendhal Rust, I mean, he he's a Buddhist, uh, he's a Benedictine monk, but a Buddhist, but he's a psychologist with a PhD, brought the gratitude practices in the world and inspired researchers like Robert Emmons and, and others, which are evidence-based, simple ways to create gratefulness life. Now, I, have to under, I had to understand very clearly what does it mean. Gratefulness or gratitude is not about just being saying thank you notes and I have a cheerful way of living. It's an opportunity in every moment to be grateful. Why? It is not about something happens and being happy to be grateful. When we are grateful, we are happy. We need to know even this day is given to us. We haven't done anything to receive this gift. It's the gift and only appropriate reciprocal way to say to thank you to this, to thank you to this gift. In the morning, I open up, open my, close to open my eyes and I see it's a gift. I feel I kind of stay for a few minutes just standing on the floor a few seconds and I have legs and I feel I'm alive. It's an opportunity, another glorious day. I keep few pebbles sometimes on my right pocket and I see a sunshine, I see somebody smiling, somebody offering, writing something, saying hello. I have one pebble transfer from right to left pocket and I count my blessings in the end of the day and I feel blessed Been so many things happen to me. Sometimes I advise people to write gratitude diary. Three things I'm grateful for today. Even 21 days of writing this, there is evidence that our brain changes, our outlook changes. We become happier. We become sleep better. Our immunity gets better. We have less blood pressure. We are more connected, pro-social. So it's just about have that more openness and surprised by things that you and have a radical attitude of gratitude. It, it, it would make sense that it links to what we discussed before. Because yeah. we, if we are grateful, we are grateful to other people or to other things. And that means that we are less focused on ourselves. Yes. So that's the key is to break being completely locked inside ourselves and to open ourselves to something Absolutely, else. Joseph. You know, the first component, if you kind of scientifically look at it, if something good happens outside, you notice cognitively that something good, somebody smiled at me, say. That's cognitive understanding. But then, grateful, you cannot keep your heart closed and be grateful. You have to open your heart and its emotional understanding and connectedness to reciprocate thank you. That needs our cognition and emotional intelligence. And this is how we open up. And when we are open, we be courageous. We embrace life. Sometimes people, young people say to me, look, I have been raped by my father. I can't be grateful. No, you cannot be grateful that things happen to you, the accidents happen to you. But you can have that gratitude of the opportunity that net moments and the life gives to you. That's a gift to turn it around. As we started our conversations with transformation, in radical gratefulness changes our life and transform ourselves. Hmm. And what would be the role of spirituality on this? 
I asked Brother David, if I do one spiritual practice, what would it be? And without a bat of wing on his eyes, he said, just practice gratitude. This is so even secular from all spiritual tradition. There would be gratitude practices from Hinduism, from Shintoism to Muslim, Islam to everybody bowing their head and, and accepting life as it is in a grateful way. It is common with a spirit that we open up to receive this gift every day and we have to recognize it. Highly, possibly one of the most important practices we can bring in our lives. Hmm, that's that's very interesting. Then gratitude is like a type of spirituality without God. That makes sense. But surely religion, as a such, organized religion may also play a part. Yes, absolutely. And this is where I don't want to divide spirituality and religion. I mean, you know, again, the Latin word religion comes from re legare. It's the tying the broken knots. So what unites us is religion. We have rituals, we have differences in the way we practice our religion. But in essence, it's about self-awareness and awareness of the world and our connection to it. It's a sense of belonging again and that spirit. If we again look at the word spirituality, come from the word spiritus, means breath. Breath makes us alive. Whatever makes us alive is spiritual. And the direction of that aliveness, having the sense of belonging to the aliveness, is spiritual path. And in that way, all religious traditions have the same spiritual path, having even the differences. And I will highly recommend, I, I talk about this in our clinics, the spiritual dimension, the religious practices, what gives us a sense of meaning and purpose towards life is a big dimension of spirituality. This is as psychiatrists, this is as physicians, that is in our patients. Our role is to bring the spiritual dimension to your work in a very grateful way. Then we have quite a few practical things that we can recommend. We can start with that being aware rather than living like in an autopilot. Doing that mindfulness that allows us to stop and to empty our mind and to feel connected to something internal and also to connect to other people through a shared humanity. And you also mentioned that being in nature, breathing, exercising, which makes perfect sense. And finally, we have that feeling grateful as a spiritual practice as such. Yes. With, with these few practical advices, you mean that people would find that their life is better, that they live better. That would be the, the yeah, point I'm of what we doing. With the simple practices, mindfulness, gratefulness, compassion, intimacy, being active, this actually creates a balance because we leave our busy job. We're thrown to this world of frantic nature, of, of globalization, information overload. What we need is a transformation. What we need is an inner transformation, creating these habits of balance. When we balance our life, when we are more mindful, grateful, we are heartful, kind, this changes our life, our outlook. And, and we prevent our burnout in everyday basis. 
we become more alive, agile, know who we really are and step into the various dimensions of health and well-being. Well, that's an interesting concept and I think with that we can finish. The podcast, we've given seven big advices to people. I think it, it's going to be quite interesting if people want to follow that. If they want to know more about that, where can they go? Is there any type of source of information? There are many, can... many resources. And I mean, I would recommend and uh, for mindfulness practitioners beginning, I have been practicing 15 years. Uh, there are many books, many, but MBSR course, Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction course is a start. But a simple mm -hmm. practice is starting at home that's helpful. There are many, I in my, I have a YouTube channel, ABC Amit Biswas Circle. I have created some conversations of mindfulness to the best of my abilities. There are many trainings and in breathworks. There are very beautiful books and like uh, uh, on, on mindfulness by Zon Kabat-Zinn. There are compassion, self-compassion. There is a website by self-compassion by Kirsten Neff and there are simple activities activities, exercises there. Well, uh, going to forest exercise, that is nothing book, but gratitude practices. There are many also books on gratitude, simple practices mm -hmm. and, and yeah. But just practicing, I think there are many resources. It can be overwhelming. But Indeed, yeah. I mean, it's not that difficult to practice being grateful, being active, yes. being yes. in nature. It makes yeah. sense. Yeah. It's trying to move away from our more technological life to a type of life. Yeah, and technology is content, boy, yeah. technology. But bringing technology in the right way, we need information and knowledge, but we also need wisdom. And that is the transformation. We can't avoid technology. We can't avoid social media, perhaps, and things. But how to boundary it rather than over make us overwhelmed? How to set those digital tech boundaries, digital fasting sometimes, so that... We control them rather than the digits controlling us. Similar to we are moving towards AI. And there are so many conversations. Are they going to be? No, important thing is technology is important. It get us here in a scientific revolution in so hundreds of years. But these things need to be understood as a tool to achieve greater and, and, and not just technology, advancing human to be finely and deeply human rather than they're controlling us. We can't blame the net and, and our social media because we got globally connected. But how we manage them, how to relate with them better rather than controlling, that's what we have to do. Well, that's a big thought. And I guess we'll be for another, for another podcast. There's a massive thought about how to move from our technologically driven era to something yeah. is more meaningful, but will still while still keeping the the benefits of the interconnectedness the that, yeah. that that gives us. Well, that will be enough for today, I think. That's given lots of information to everybody. This will be useful for your listeners. I am very grateful for this opportunity to talk and and give some tips if it has been useful. Thank oh, you so much. Likewise, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you, Joseph. Thank you. <laughs>